We all know that our bodies don't stay exactly the same as the decades go by, and many fear that there's an inevitable weight gain and health problems that occur with menopause and with aging. But you know, this doesn't have to be so. You really do have a large say in how your body responds to these life stages and life changes and in your health and weight maintenance. So today we're going to discuss menopause and age-related weight gain, so stay tuned. Welcome to the True Food Freedom and Faith Podcast. I'm your imperfect host, Cheryl Sharko, registered dietitian, nutritionist, and biblical counselor, here to get real with you, my sisters in Christ. Yep, I'm talking to you who struggle with restrictive food rules, chronic dieting, yo-yo diets, emotional eating, and other issues that consume your life, your joy, and your peace. So get your comfy pants on like I did and get ready for some real talk about this journey, real nutrition information, and some real solutions so you can live a life in true food freedom and faith. Hello and welcome, and as this is the first podcast of 2022, Happy New Year. Uh, We'll see what this year holds. It's going to be great. So I've had a number of questions from you ladies about menopause and how it relates to weight gain and the increased difficulty to lose weight or maintain weight. And so I wanted to address this as well as just the overall understanding of age and how that can relate to weight issues. So first, yes, menopause and aging do have a relationship with weight gain and health risks, but these are not an inevitability. So although weight loss may not be as easy to you after menopause, you still have a very large say in how your body handles menopause and beyond. We can go into our later years um, healthier or maybe a little less healthy and more debilitated and in more pain and less mobile. And a lot of that is based on our lifestyle decisions and what we do and our behaviors. But we know also it has a lot to do with our mindset and not becoming enslaved and placing value where it doesn't belong. So of course, I want to start with that first. If you're really excessively worried about weight gain because your menopause is coming or you're already dealing with it or you've been dealing with it for years and you believe that this weight gain is going to have some sort of detrimental impact on your quality of life, just the weight itself. I'm not talking about health-related issues, but just the fact of being a little um, larger or having a little extra body fat in areas you didn't want. If you really truly believe that that's what's going to have a detrimental impact on your happiness, on your value, your worth... Well, now is the time to learn to make peace with food and find food freedom and make peace with your body. And that's what this podcast is truly all about. And so as you've been listening, I ask you to continue listening and get help in that way because we are in mortal bodies. Our bodies do age. They do change. And these are the years where we want to learn, you know, why is it that important to me? And, and am I enslaved with something? Am I in this bondage? I need some freedom. I need freedom in Christ. I need freedom from this life where it, where it has to do with my food, my eating, my weight thoughts, my body shame thoughts. And so now's the time to really start working on that. Of course, I'm here for you, ladies. Now, no matter what the body shape or size is, 
that you have now or that you are fearing later, your value is from God alone and it does not change. So valuing ourselves on our outward appearance, it reveals that we do have some hard work to do before God by the Holy Spirit. And I implore you to just go back and start listening to those previous podcasts, continue listening, go to the website, um, CherylSharko.com or TrueFoodFreedomAndFaith.com. That will bring you directly to the podcast page. But it'll get either one will get you right to the website. And you can click around there. Um, get resources, certainly sign up for the monthly newsletter, and you'll just continue to get all the resources that you can utilize to help you in this journey. Also, you can always schedule a free consultation with me to talk about what's the best plan going forward for you. So it's far more important for you to enter these life stages free from this enslavement of these ways of thinking than it is to be so hyper-focused on, will I gain weight? So what I recommend you do not do during this time period is panic about the possibility of weight gain or of health risks. That doesn't help anyone ever, except that, yeah, there are some changes that are part of the aging process. We need to learn to change what we can, and we need to learn to accept with contentment what we cannot change. And of course, that takes time and growth with the Lord. Also, let's not have unrealistic expectations, which we often do. You know, if you've been listening for a while, you're probably someone like me that started out with very unrealistic expectations to begin with. So if you're holding, let's say, your 20-something body size as your standard, well, you're going to have to make peace with the fact that more than likely, it's not going to be your reality. And that is you in a different life stage, You know, that young you who hadn't accomplished all that you have accomplished, hadn't accomplished all that your amazing body has done up until now. And also, if you keep in mind that a little extra weight going into those later years, those older years, it's actually found, research has found that there is a protective benefit of having a little extra weight going in there. It also can carry some health risks. So I'm not talking about that we want to be um, careless about our bodies. But, you know, I don't talk in terms of BMI and whatnot, which is body mass index. It's just a measuring tool uh, that we use in healthcare. And I'm only using it to tell you that up until your 60s, we classify body mass index or BMI as overweight at a particular range, but that changes in your 60s and above. We actually want to see people with a slightly higher BMI because we have learned that that's associated with um, keeping you alive longer. So again, a lot of extra weight on you can lead to some cardiovascular issues. So we want to have that um, attain the healthy balance with the healthy mindset, without being enslaved, just by making lifestyle behaviors that work for us, that we can live with, and do not become our idol, okay? So really, a great goal would be to, again, learn food freedom and deal with the heart issues that come up through prayer, through the Word, and through faith, Um, And to strive for the greatest health that you can have and mobility going forward. If you're young, you might be thinking, why should you keep talking about mobility? But as you age, mobility and pain and being able to be functional with your daily activities of life and um, other health behaviors, it makes 
all the difference in your quality of life. Anticipate that enjoyable, mobile, and capable life later by building some lifestyle habits now when you're young. Those are just kind of my recommendations and my overall summary because when I get into talking about things that have to do with weight gain, we really want to deal with the heart motives first. Why am I so fearful of weight gain? What am I mostly worried about? Am I putting more value on that than I should? Um, And so we need to deal with those heart issues and the expectations realistically, okay, so that they don't become a new obsession that cannot be attained. Let's talk about what menopause is. So menopause can kind of be broken up into three parts, so to speak, perimenopause, menopause itself, and postmenopause. Perimenopause is that period that leads up to menopause or the time frame that leads up to menopause. It's when things start to get a little bit erratic. For women who've been regular and consistent throughout all of their childbearing years, suddenly periods are um, a little more erratic. Some symptoms can start coming like hot flashes. And what's happening there in the body is the body is starting to complete its life of ovulation. And your progesterone, which is one of your major hormones, becomes lower. And estrogen, which is the major female sex hormone, well, that just becomes kind of erratic. It can actually, it it eventually will be lowered, but it can kind of spike here and there and lead to even higher levels of estrogen than you've ever had. So there's just a lot of almost crazy hormone function going on there, and your body can start to feel that. And again, that's when your periods are becoming more erratic and irregular. Then once there have been no periods for 12 full months, then you are officially in menopause. So that crazy fluctuating period is the perimenopause, and menopause is defined as once there have been no periods for 12 consecutive months. And that, my sisters, is when estrogen takes a decline and doesn't recover. From that point on, estrogen levels will be much lower than throughout all of your childbearing years. That's also when there are a lot of hot flashes and night sweats that you've been experiencing, and they can continue on, even chills. And so menopause is just that term for once there have been no periods for 12 months, but then immediately you're in the postmenopausal phase or your postmenopause. And what that means is you're done with that changeover. You're officially postmenopausal, your hormones stay permanently lowered, and your signs and symptoms, those hot flashes and the night sweats, et cetera, et cetera, they usually lessen now over time or go away, although for some they really can last for months or more. Sorry if if you're dealing with that. Um, But overall, the idea is that it starts regulating to the new normal of lowered progesterone and especially estrogen. So what is the big deal? Why does this do anything to our bodies? Why are we concerned about it? Well, the main hormone, as I mentioned, is estrogen. And estrogen has everything to do with it. Estrogen, again, is one of the main female sex hormones It's necessary for the growth and the health and the function of your reproductive system, the organs, and many other ways. It helps also, though, in your health. A lot of times, women and men have different health risks throughout the childbearing years. 
men tend to have more risk of the cardiovascular diseases and women tend not to. The reason for that is because women have a high level of estrogen, which can be cardioprotective or protective against cardiovascular disease. For one thing, it helps to regulate cholesterol levels. Um, another thing that it does, it's very important for all women to hear, whether you are 15 or 30 or beyond, it helps to build and maintain bones. Estrogen is one of the important hormones in the body that help to actually build your bone mass. And once you hit up to age 30, maybe even a couple years before, we women have actually hit our peak bone mass. We will never gain more storage of bone material in our bodies from that point on. So young ladies, while you have this wonderful opportunity, you want to make sure you are eating and drinking and having enough of the foods that contain calcium to help build that bone mass. Because again, by the time you've reached age 30, you're not building anymore. And it becomes kind of like your savings account for bone from that point on. Now, because you'll still have high estrogen until you reach, until you reach menopause, you're still going to be able to protect that and maintain that bone and help the metabolism of bone tissue kind of stay regular. But at menopause, we lose a lot of our estrogen. And so it's no longer able to maintain that bone mass and certainly not really build it very much like it did before. Estrogen also has the interesting function of causing us to store our extra fat or storage energy in the hip and thigh areas, opposed to where we see men gaining weight, which is in the abdominal region. So that means that once that estrogen kind of crashes down and it's no longer at a higher level, we too begin to gain and store that extra fat in that abdominal region as well and less in the hips and thighs than we used to. Now let's talk specifically how menopause is associated with weight gain. Well, you'll be happy to know that it's not a direct cause of weight gain. Menopause itself does not cause weight gain. So that might be some happy news for you. The deposits of that body fat or that stored reserve energy do occur more in the abdominal region instead of the hips and thighs, as I said. And so the placement of where that fat is going, we might not notice it's less in maybe the hips and thighs, but we're sure going to notice that it's more in the abdominals. It's hanging over the front of the pants a little more. It's changing my shape. So although you're not crazy for associating menopause with weight gain, it's just that it's not a direct cause of it. On the other hand, it's more about aging that is associated with weight gain. And because menopause occurs as we age, we kind of feel like it must be from the hormones. It is really um, more, again, about aging. And so we're going to talk about that for a minute now. And again, this isn't about weight gain being the enemy, but just so that we know and we can prepare for what is probably going to be um, a little more part of our lives as we age um, with realistic expectations, but also learning how to make appropriate 
and healthful decisions and which behaviors we can make part of our daily lives so that we can minimize some of that weight gain and those health risks, which could be associated with extra weight. As we age, we do tend to have less physical activity. Now, this can just be because we're less social, we don't have little kids to chase around or all of their activities to go to as they're teenagers and all of that. It also could be from something physical such as arthritis or pain, some form of disability that has grown. Having less physical activity, remember we've talked many times about weight gain is a result of consuming more energy or calories than our bodies are using. And although our bodies burn most of our energy just keeping us alive, there is a considerable amount that is based on our physical activity. So if we have less activity, of course, we're burning less energy and we will be storing what we're not using. And now also, as we age, this is the most directly related to weight gain. We have a decreasing amount of muscle mass. Now, our muscle mass is really an energy-burning machine. All of our muscles are just constantly churning and burning. So when we have less muscle mass, less muscle tissue throughout our bodies, we're going to burn less energy or less calories. So we do tend to lose a considerable amount of muscle mass, even in our young adult years, starting in our 30s and 40s, you know, between 3 and 8% a year. And, and that's okay because, you know, what are we comparing that to our adolescent young 20s when we're still building bodies, we're still growing and developing. So that's, you know, normal. It's nothing to be too concerned about. But after your 50s and over, we can be losing up to 15% or more of our muscle mass per decade. So that's where you're going to start to see that association with maybe storage energy being more than it was before because we're not burning as much energy because we have less muscle mass. On the other hand, we might be continuing to eat as we did when we were younger and using our muscles more and maintaining our muscle mass more. Also, mobility, as I mentioned before, could be lessened. And also financial issues could become a problem. Picture this, if I pull into the gas station and pump gas, I am being marketed to with a picture of a cup of soda and a slice of pizza for a dollar, a dollar fifty. Well, the less nutritious food, higher energy food does tend to be made and processed in a way that they pump it out very cheaply. Now, if you're a person who has mobility issues like having a hard time getting to the store and do shopping, having a hard time putting together a meal in your kitchen and preparing vegetables and preparing healthful foods, and you also have some financial struggles, as can happen as you're getting older, well, those energy-rich, easy foods are going to be much easier to get and more abundant in your life than those nutrition-rich foods that you need to take time to prepare, you need to go shopping for. So even though that's not a direct association, there's certainly more of that behavior among the older population that is struggling in their mobility, that is struggling in their finances. They are probably going to be eating 
or there's more likeliness of them eating those energy-rich, highly processed, less nutritious foods. So of course that can lead to weight gain. So it's really aging rather than the menopause itself that's that real culprit in weight gain and tends to bring an average of about a pound increase per year. Now again, Again, don't panic about that because this can be a protective design by God. We can thank God for that extra protective weight for our bodies that have accomplished so much and being grateful to God that they've gotten us this far and having realistic expectations. But with all that, it is not an inevitability. We have a lot of say, and we're going to talk about some steps to take to prevent an excess of age-related weight gain or postmenopausal weight gain and how to keep our bodies as healthy, mobile, and strong for the future as possible while being content and satisfied with our bodies. But first, I want to talk about health and how that's associated with menopause and aging. Menopause is associated with some health risks. Although it's not directly associated with weight gain, it is directly associated with some increasing health risks for women who are postmenopausal. I talked about your bone mass, and now that we're postmenopausal, we're not able to have that high estrogen level that builds our bones. It's not going to maintain bones as much. So that does lead to a higher risk of osteoporosis. I'm sure you've heard of osteoporosis. It just means porous bones that become more brittle. They're weaker. So a loss of estrogen means a loss of bone building. So that is one health risk that is directly associated with that loss of estrogen in menopause. Another is cardiovascular disease. So as I had mentioned, when women are younger, they do usually have a smaller risk of heart disease and cardiovascular disease than men of the same age. Because of that, estrogen is protective of the cardiovascular system. So of course, it follows that when that lessens, the risk becomes much more elevated for cardiovascular disease. One other aspect of that is that now that we will gain weight in that abdominal area instead of on the hips and thighs, well, that particular placement of fat is associated with a higher risk of cardiovascular disease. So yes, just where that excess energy or fat is stored does have a role in cardiovascular risk. That's one of the reasons men have a higher risk throughout those years when they gain that abdominal weight. Now, when women become postmenopausal and they start storing more abdominal weight, that can put a lot more pressure on those internal organs and on the cardiovascular system itself. And third, there is actually some relationship. It's not known if it's a cause and effect, but there's some relationship between being postmenopausal and developing type 2 diabetes. So menopause does have some health risks. Again, most of these we can ameliorate with our lifestyle behaviors. We have such a great say in this. These are not inevitable outcomes. So what do we do, Cheryl? Okay, well, I thought you'd never ask. Let's talk about some solutions, some steps, what you actually have control over that's gonna make a huge difference in how you go forward in your decades. First, you want to nourish the body with what it needs. You knew I was going there. I know you knew I was going there. Okay, 
So one of the main building blocks is a mineral called calcium. You've all heard of it. And we want to make sure that during these later years, when it's already more of a challenge to maintain bone mass, we're at least feeding our body with those building blocks that it needs to keep our bones that we do have strong. Calcium, we're going to find in dairy primarily. Those low-fat dairies are really a great part of your everyday life yogurts and cheeses. We also are going to find calcium in fortified cereals and in some vegetables and fruits such as spinach. Spinach has some good calcium. Also, as always, I'm going to promote your fruits and your vegetables and your whole grains as part of your everyday life. This is going to bring your body the nutrients that it needs for all of its different processes So feeding your body with nutritious foods and getting those fibers that are in there, helping you stay fuller longer, and the fibers in these whole foods helping your intestinal system and your digestive system to stay healthy, strong, and functioning well, there you go. So fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and calcium foods, make that just part of your everyday life, okay? Now, soy foods, I know you've heard different stories, different opinions about adding soy foods because of menopause. Here's what the research shows us. It might be helpful for hot flashes and symptoms in some women. So I would recommend if you want to try that and you're really struggling with some of those hot flashes and night sweats and those other symptoms, sure, give it a shot. Now, I'm not giving um, another diet or a rule, but if you were to eat leaner proteins, you know, like the fish and the white meat poultries without all that extra fat on them, without the extra skin, nuts, seeds, those are better in preventing cardiovascular disease and other health issues that postmenopausal women now are going to be at more risk for. So in general, that's just a good practice for all of us. And now that we women after menopause are going to have a little more of that cardiovascular risk, or actually quite a bit more, we want to really have an eye on what health behaviors are going to reduce that risk. And having your meats, your proteins that are much leaner and maybe not meat at all, but the nuts and seeds, that's going to help prevent us from eating a lot of the saturated fat that's associated with the cardiovascular disease. Also, very, very effective that if you're a smoker, removing that behavior from your life is going to have an enormous impact on your health in every area. So although smoking, of course, is a very difficult habit to give up, work on a treatment plan, talk to a doctor, try to do what you can to quit smoking because it really does add so much health risk to your body at any point in time, but especially as you're getting older. Now, let's talk about alcohol for a minute. And I kind of have a multi-pronged answer here for you. Light drinking, which means not more than, for women, one drink a day, like a five-ounce glass of wine or something like that, it actually can have some protection against cardiovascular disease after menopause. So the common advice here, and I would agree with it, is if you are not somebody who partakes in alcohol, you're not someone who enjoys it, certainly don't start drinking alcohol thinking that you need to do that to get some protective health 
effect in your body. There are plenty of other ways to do that. It's just that if you're somebody who does enjoy, there are some benefits to your cardiovascular system of that light amount of drinking, but not enough to induce you to start drinking if you're not somebody who does that already. It's not a necessary thing. It's no magic pill. And again, we're talking about light drinking. So for women, that's not more than one drink a day. If you do choose to partake of alcohol, what I would say is amounts above that recommended one per day for women or two per day for men eliminates the cardiovascular protectiveness, first of all. Any benefit is now eliminated and health risks increase quickly. Um, Also, women, you need to know that all alcohol intake, all alcohol intake carries a risk of breast cancer with it, okay? So you'll just want to weigh that, think that through, make your decisions with that information. Now, remember also, alcohol, as I've mentioned in some previous podcasts, the macronutrient podcasts, alcohol has almost twice the energy or calories of protein or carbohydrates. So this could lead to an energy surplus, right? Which means what? Weight gain. And if you're postmenopausal, that's going to go in the abdominal region. So just keep that in mind as you're choosing whether or not you're going to partake of alcohol and how much, that even just that aspect of it could relate to um, weight gain. Also, as we age, it's not uncommon for us to be on prescription medications and sometimes multiple prescriptions at a time. So you can talk to your doctor about medications that might be causing the weight gain that you're seeing or experiencing. Now, I mentioned that as people age, they tend to get less physical activity. So here's where we really want to start countering that. We have a lot to say here. If we can develop these behaviors as lifestyle behaviors early on, we can just continue those straight through, and we will have so much health benefit from this. But if we're not used to having a daily routine or a weekly routine that includes some physical activity that we're enjoying, we want to start. Of course, always check with your doctor. For most people, there'll never be a problem, but there could be, and you always want to check with your doctor to make sure that you're cleared for some good activity, some moderate activity. Now, what do I mean about physical activity? Say a brisk walk for half an hour a day, five times a week. There you go. Um, If you're having balance issues, make sure you're safe. Make sure you're on level ground. If you need some equipment to keep you steady, that's always a primary importance is your safety, okay? But there's always adjusted exercises and activities for everybody. There's always something you can do. If you're very immobile and you have a difficulty with balance, Maybe you're just practicing standing up, holding on to your walker, and sitting down and doing that over and over again. Maybe you're using your arms more than your legs because you have foot injury. Whatever it is, we can always improve the amount of physical activity that we're getting. On top of that, now I was just talking about that brisk activity. That's more where your heart's pumping faster and you're breathing faster, and that's called aerobic activity. But you want to also add in two times a week or more activities that have some form of strain on your muscle. So we can call that weight bearing or strength training, okay? And what that does, this has got a one-two punch. This is going to be really great because this is where we're going to fight that 
bone density problem and muscle loss problem. Because this type of weight-bearing strength training activity can help with many of the concerns we talked about with menopause and aging. When you are using the muscles and you're challenging them, you're going to build muscle. And when you have more muscle pulling on the bone, your bone tissues actually, it has to grow somewhat to accommodate that. Your bone actually has to grow a little larger to accommodate a larger muscle that's holding onto it and straining against it, counteracting the bone loss that came along with the estrogen loss. So that's pretty cool. Now, although bone loss can't fully be prevented, there's plenty you can do to support it. We talked about those weight-bearing exercises two or more times a week to increase the bone mass. Also, we talked about eating or increasing the amount of calcium foods you're getting each day, such as that low-fat dairy, cheese, yogurt, spinach, fortified cereals. You may have been prescribed a calcium supplement by your physician or registered dietitian, and so you need to take that if that has been prescribed to you. They may also put you on vitamin D supplements to help with that, but I'm saying only if it's been prescribed. There is such a thing as too much of these over-the-counter supplements, such as calcium, even vitamin D. So you really want to be careful and not just take it upon yourself to assume you need supplement. Food's always better. Sometimes, though, when you're postmenopausal, the foods are just not able to bring you enough calcium. Certainly just speak to your physician or your registered dietitian to have that decision made as to whether or not you need to be on a calcium and our vitamin D supplement to help with the bone loss and bone maintenance. Finally, again, we really just want to accept our body size, accept our body changes. They're natural, they're normal, but we can make these healthy lifestyle choices to improve our condition and prevent some of the risks, bringing our bodies healthfully into the later years so we can enjoy life more, have that higher quality of life with bodies that are healthier, more mobile, more functional. And we need to all, no matter what our life stages, learn to accept our accomplished body for the gift of God that it really is. So if you're struggling with putting together a plan that works for you during these seasons of life and you need some individualized help, certainly visit the website as I mentioned before. You can get there through truefruitfreedomandfaith.com. Click on that free consultation button, schedule a chat with me. Also, I want to introduce a special free resource just for January 2022 newsletter, Rev Up Your Metabolism. Go into a little more detail of how we can do that. Uh, Next week, we're actually going to be doing a podcast talking about metabolism and specifically answering a listener question. But in the meantime, make sure you get on that newsletter list. You don't want to miss any free resources like this Rev Up Metabolism. And we're still giving away actually that free ebook, Three Steps to Guilt-Free Eating, which is very helpful in learning to eat based on your body cues and how to eat in a way where you're not having guilt over things that are not sin. That's still going out with any new enrollments to the monthly email newsletter, which is totally free. So I'd be happy to have you join us with that. And speaking of joining, I'm so excited to announce that we have set up a True Food Freedom and Faith Facebook private group. That is for all of you to come on, 
get to know each other, realize you're not alone, help one another through this process of our journeys to food freedom in Christ. It's a wonderful, safe environment where we can just be real and support one another during this time. I'm very excited about it. So just look for the true food, freedom, and faith. And is an ampersand, by the way, not the whole word. True food, freedom, and faith. Facebook group, just join me there. Join each other there. You're not alone. There's so many of us that are going through this together. So let's do it together. Let's be the body of Christ and help each other through this specific type of challenge. So I'm very excited about that because I want to know you. You're sitting here listening to me blab on and on, but I don't get to hear you. I am so looking forward to having my sisters in there with me, interacting. I want to get to know you. I want to know what you want to know, what concerns you, what challenges you're having. And I want to be able to address that and walk through those together with you, together with each other in our community of like-minded people with like problems. So until next time, let's remember 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I'll see you soon and I'll see you in our Facebook group. Bye-bye.